This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. It's time to look at the biggest race of the year, the Bathurst Preview, with Tim Hodges from Fox Sport and Brett Murray from SpeedCafe.com. He'd race anything. He'd race a billy cart or, or, or an electric scooter if he had to, but as long as he's racing and he's in that space. It's like that Max Verstappen at the moment. It doesn't matter where he starts on the grid in F1 races. He works his way through and wins the race invariably. They look at the form and the figures. I think they might have given me my second biggest collect ever there, Tim. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, do you remember? I keep telling you. Not um, that we're endorsing betting and uh, yeah. be responsible. <laughs> this is certainly yeah, not a paid promotion. Yeah, that's right. For... <laughs> Have a crack, that's what I say. Have a crack. <laughs> the biggest preview of the 1000 comes up now. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel, and we're joined by a couple of the pundits of the paddock, that being Tim Hodges and Brett Murray. Welcome uh, back again to Inside Supercars. Hello, fellas. Nice to be with you. G'day, Crush. Uh, g'day, Tim. Yeah, good to see you boys, or hear you boys. It's a very big Bathurst this year, and we've got these guys on to give us their point of view on the season, and a bit of a lead-up as to... Uh, how they think a Bathurst 1000 will go in 2022. Tim, let's just uh, start with you. I mean, obviously, uh, you're coming off a very big AFL season, albeit not a very big grand final. But tell us what your views are on this season. Well, I think it's been a little underwhelming, and that's what happens, uh, isn't it, when you have a guy dominate as much as Shane Van Gisberg. And then I'll let you guys talk about how great Shane has been this year. But he's, he's so far and away ahead of the rest of the field. Um, and his confidence is sky high. And he doesn't even have, at times across the year, he hasn't had the fastest car and he's still dominating. So, yeah, I, I think underwhelming is probably the word I, I use about the season. And I, I think the sport really, I mean, it always wants to have a great Bathurst 1000. But I think this year, after the season we've had it, it sort of needs it. And, and I think it's great that, Repco are pumping so much money into making it enormous. Um, it feels like the crowd is going to be back in full force. So I just hope it's a, it's a great race because I think they need a great race after uh, what has been a pretty lopsided championship. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, Tone, I, I think, yeah, I, I agree with Tim uh, to a point, but I think Bathurst is 
you know, is the race that always, always seems to deliver. You know, we've had plenty of seasons in the past where we've had people dominate and we get there and then, you know, something comes from left field or, you know, you know, there's always something that happens that never fails to deliver and that's what makes the place so great. And I think, um, you know, the job that Shane's done this year has been unbelievable. You know, he's, he's just in a different in a different space as well. Personally, I think he's very comfortable. Um, I think a lot of those things that have sort of hung off him in the past have disappeared. You know, now he's got, a, you know, a few of those boxes ticked for himself. He's, he's being allowed to do other things like his rallying and, you know, the other things he's looking at. And I think that uh, him having that freedom, uh, you know, again, as long as he's he'd race anything, he'd race a billy cart or, 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 uh, or an electric scooter if he had to. But as long as he's racing and he's in that space, he's having a good time. He's constantly working on his craft. You know, we constantly see him up at Paul Morris's place cutting some laps in, in a Toyota 86 or whatever it is. Just, you know, I think, and those sort of lessons are, are great things that young drivers need to learn. If you want to be at the top of your game, it doesn't matter you know, put your ego in the cupboard and, you know, if you're a racer, you're a racer. It's certainly interesting to uh, consider that um, a, a man who, of course, both of you were involved with, Scott McLaughlin, um, the last time anyone was the dominant was his uh, second championship, um, that being in 2019, when he was leading by 562 points at the end of the season. Of course, at this stage, Shane is leading by 525. Now, you know, they're remarkable numbers because that obviously means they're both, you know, the Triple Eight and Chain are going to Bathurst knowing they don't have to protect a point lead. They've got that there. So that's an extraordinary thing for them to have that as an advantage, isn't it? Uh, th- that's definitely the case. Um, and then the other thing you've got to bring into contention is his co-driver. I mean, really, you know, Garth Tander, I mean, it's really the only you know, A plus, A plus combination in the field. And the, and the next one that comes close to it is Brock Feeney, who's, his, you know, Shane's teammate regularly, and Jamie Wincup, who's, you know, come off the bench to, to be his co-driver. Um, you know, obviously he's seven-time champion. So, you know, whether we could call Brock an A plus throw at this point is, you know, probably debatable. But if you're looking at um, who you're going to punt on in the race, and I've been known to have a little flutter now and again. Um, you know, you always start with at Bathurst. You always start with the driver combinations, and the while there are some very strong ones, very good, very strong ones in the field. Um, I think you certainly got to start with those two driver combinations um, when you're looking at you know the odds of having a bit in the race. So do you look at it, Guy, or all three of you, do you look at it and think, well, something probably has to go wrong for car 97 to not win when you have Van Gisbergen in the form he's in. Tander earlier in this week had a whole test day to himself. It feels like he's going to be up to speed and he's always great at Mount Panorama. They have the best team around them doing the best stops, calling the best strategy. Like, it feels like something has to go wrong for this team, for this car for it not to win. Uh, and everyone else is almost playing for second unless it, it encounters some sort of problems. It's an interesting question, Tim, because you always seem to have someone that everything seems right and then you get to Bathurst and, like, Crush, seriously, how much had you put on the week before? We're Saturday now or the week before Bathurst and how much had you put on your good mate Chas Mostert and uh, and Lee Holsworth last year. 
Um, yeah, well, I, well, I actually backed them. I won. I won some money. Um, but yeah, but that bet was placed after Thursday or Friday. I wouldn't mind betting. No, I had well, I had a couple of goes at them. I think from memory, because um, I looked at you know again looking at driver combinations, and I thought you know they were one of the strongest <laughs> combinations in the field. And if I look down the list and I take that philosophy into play to this year, then you've got to go straight to Wilkinshaw and look at Chaz and then and Fabian. Now, while Fabian's been out of the car full time, you know, he's pretty handy. He knows his way around the place. And I think, you know, Chaz is certainly uh, on his game. And if you look beside him, you've got Nick Perkat, who, you know, he's obviously won the race before. Um and he's in, he's in a, you know, got his bum in the seat full time. And you've got Warren Luff, who's been on the podium, I think, there only certainly in, not, not a record number of times. I think Lowndes holds that record, but he's been there many, many, many times before. And I think, you know, that those two driver combinations are also, also very solid. There's so many wild cards in the event, but there's literally so many wild cards in the event this year, Crush. Focus heavily on, too. Craig Lowndes and, of course, Greg Murphy, who is the number two driver to Richie Stamway and then Declan Fraser, of course, getting his A driver debut in the Triple Eight Super Cheap Auto Car. Yeah, I think that, you know, and then you got the third wild card is uh, Matt Charter and uh, Dave Rothman car. So, you know, you've got three wild cards in the event. They all deserve to be there. Um, They've all got different reasons for being there. Can any of them win the race? Uh, you know, no. Um, but as you said, anything can happen. But, you know, you realistically, you know, you're not going to be looking uh, at one of those three cars winning the race. But they're all there for different reasons. Obviously, um, the Stanaway Murphy car comes with boost money. Um, it's there for a reason. The, the super cheap auto car is obviously there for a reason with Lowndes and Declan. The great thing is that Declan, you know, gets a shot to, you know, come out and roll around the place and add and add to his experience, which is great. Um, so they're all there, there for different reasons. Um, and yeah, as I said, they deserve to be there. Uh, you're not sort of running with blokes who are going to cause you too many issues. They're still all going to run at run at a reasonable pace because of their experience in Super 2 or have been there before. So um, they're in the mix, but when I say in the mix, they're, you know, they'll, they'll be running around but not causing too many issues. And and that's the great thing about this race now is, you know, you've got 28 or 29 cars, I think 28 cars. You know, there's no one that that's there that really doesn't deserve to be there or – you know, will cause issues because they're too slow or so far off the pace or or do, you know, some, you know, you might get a situation where you've got someone who has a, has a brain snap, but the chances are that, that, you know, they're few and far between nowadays. So it's going to be flat out. Um, I think, you know, the 97 car has probably been in the same position the last three or four years. Unless something goes wrong, it's going to, it's going to win the race. So, um, but, you know, all you need is a late, a late safety car, you know, you need a little bit of a wrong call on fuel strategy and all of a sudden you're right there. And, you, you know, if you've got a 10-lap sprint to the end, you know, as they say, you just got to be there for the last 10 laps and you're, you're a shot. Jim, it's been a uh, couple of years since the Fords won being Scotty back in uh, 2020. I'm just wondering, uh, do you think, given that three of the top four in the points are uh, Fords, do you think that's... Uh, a possibility they might actually shine again. Do you want to take that one, Crush? 
Well, I think there's there's a few things, you know. Obviously, I think the Ford aerodynamically, I've proven that's when they said they didn't have too many issues. I think they're, you know, it's probably a better car for that racetrack in straight line speed. So I think they're, you know, they're all going to be a mix. The Ford fans that obviously love to see that victory there and you know close the gap because this will be this will be Holden's last official run at the mountain, if you like. Um, and I think that uh, they'd like to go out. You know, with a victory under the, you know, that that banner, if you like, before the the Gen Three cars coming next year. So, I think there'll be plenty of interest in that. Yeah, there's plenty of other angles. You know, it's 50 years since Brock's victory there in '72. You know, there's all those things that sort of linked to the, to the Holden brand, and I think they'll be sort of milk. You know, while they're not still selling cars out the front door, um, those fans that are in that are rushed onto that brand would certainly like to uh, to go out with a bang, if you like. Pardon the pun. Where do you guys sit on uh, DJR? Uh, are they driving combat? I know you spoke about their A+. plus. You need an A-plus or an A combination there, Crush. Do you have Tony Delberto and Alex Davison? Where do you, do you rank them high enough that they can be serious uh, contenders? It does seem a joint shame that, that Scott um, has elected not to come back and race. It would have been so great. Imagine the, the hype around the event if he was strapping himself into that number 17 alongside Will this weekend. Yeah, I think that would have been great to see him here, but you know, obviously he's off doing, you know, concentrate on what he's doing in the in the US. He's coming back, as you know, next month and will be part of the T V coverage of the Adelaide race. But yeah, it would have you know, would have created a great amount of interest, but you know, is Tony and Alex got enough seat times for the year? I think so. They've got you know, they've got a ton of experience and they'll be able to do it. They've got a you know, they're part of a very obviously a very solid team. They've been, you know, quite consistent this year. They've you know Stepped on themselves a couple of times, but you know overall, you know they're doing a, they're doing a solid job. I think there's things that sort of plug the gap. Those two guys have the experience um, and are quick enough to be able to keep the car where it needs to be for the other two guys who you know again obviously been quite impressive this year in a third and fourth in the championship in Anton and Will um, to be able to keep them keep them in the show and be right there at the end. It's interesting, Tim and and crush that we have seen DGR with some real pit lane problems and we haven't been at a race that's all about pit lane and strategy. So we're going to the race where if you do it early, you might be able to save yourself, but when you come down to that last run at the end, you you can dial yourself in or dial yourself out of the race very quickly. We actually ran a story on speakerfa.com on that. Um, this week, and you know, talking about how the stops are different compared to the sprint, you know, the sprint races and and how that works. But they have have adjusted. They said it wasn't necessarily, you know, something that was as obvious as people might think. There was a there was a couple of things that need they analysed it and have changed that up. And they're confident that those things have been sorted out for Bathurst, even though you know you've got a different scenario in regards to the amount of fuel and brake pads and how much time you got to be able to process all that rather than in and out, you know, with a, with a simple simple change of tyres. So I think that, you know, slowing it down and speed it up has always been the motto of those teams, and I think that that's not necessarily going to be a, a play with those longer stops. Yeah, I find it odd that, the, I mean, those cars look awesome, the Dick Johnson cars, and ahead of their 1,000th race. But, but it's just so weird that for such a big team that's had so much success in the past half decade, 
they sort of feel like they're flying under the radar heading into the biggest race of the year. So I don't know whether it is the, the co-drivers that people just don't have enough faith in them or, or whether it's just like even when you talk about Ford contenders and we haven't got to them yet, but it does feel like that monster car with, with Waters and Moffat is the leading Mustang contender for mine. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I, I think they're going to be right there. But we know that, you know, Tickford can also step step on themselves a bit over time, put in that in, in that position. But I certainly the Cam Waters James Moffat combination, you know, again as James had enough seat time this year, you know, again he's got the experience. He's been on the podium there. He's done a solid job in recent years, and certainly, uh, you know, he's one of the handful of blokes as a hired gun that you'd, you'd want in your one in your team, and I think um, he'll go there. He'll keep his head down, do what he needs to do, and and Campbell. Cam will punch on. I mean, Cam, you would think in qualifying, Cam's, you know, if he gets his shot, will certainly be one of the contenders for the for the pole because he's, you know, he's got that outright speed for that pole lap. So I think um, they'll certainly be in the mix. And you know, if you yeah, if you were looking at from a manufacturer point of view, would you put them at the top of the Ford list? Mm, yeah, probably, but but just just I would think. When you look at um, qualifying this year. Um, two-thirds of the uh, pole positions in 2022 have been taken by forwards across Cam, Will and Anton, uh, as well as Dave Reynolds having one, and Zach Best. I mean, they've obviously had speed in those Mustangs and Bathurst is somewhere that uh, some speed is really handy to have. I think that's the, the demoralising factor. for That's the demoralising, depressing factor for the rest of the field that the chain hasn't always been the quickest car across a weekend, and you've seen that so many times across qualifying sessions this year, but he's just such a good racer that it's like that Max Verstappen at the moment. It doesn't matter where he starts on the grid in F1 races. He works his way through and wins the race invariably this year. It just feels it's the exact same storyline with the Red Bull supercar team, that the chain van Gisberg, and you don't, it doesn't, he doesn't have to be blistering fast in the shootout, and he'll let the Ford guys duke it out for for poles or for the front row, and that's what must frustrate the hell out of them, that they're, they're the ones picking up their armour or check for, for getting pole positions, and then it just does not transfer and translate into to the race results. So, um, yeah, that's... I know you're, you are a punting man. You've told us a few times, Crush. Like, you... If you had Van Gisbergen or the field, where would you be placed heading into to the weekend? Oh, look, it's a big, it's a big question. You, I, you have to take the field, but because um, just because you're, you're of well, because of the variables, you know, which, which show me that what the odds are to start with. But you, you know, he's got to start outright favourite. There's no no risk about that. That driver combination is absolutely, you know above everything else in regards to if you're having a bet right now, you're starting there and you're working your way back. And everyone will go, oh, yeah, well, you know, and then like, you know, I told you, well, well that's all fine. But in a, on a, before you've turned a wheel, equal play, and even in, even when you look at the way that Triple Eight go about the way they build up to a race weekend at Bathurst, you know how many times you've seen them well down the list on Thursday or Friday and all of a sudden, you know, they're in the, you know, all say, oh, they're just in the tent. Oh, bang! Then they're in the top of bang. And then, and then they do all the things they need to do, uh, and then they've got the consistency on race day. They know that Sunday is the day that counts, um, and I think that um, you know it won't really matter what happens up until that flag drops um, back at the normal time or the later time at eleven fifteen this year. Um, 
I think that, um, you know, when when that green flag drops, um, you know, the bullshit stops and we're going to see uh, – we're going to we're going to see uh, who's talking the talk and who's walking it. It is so true, Crush. It was, I remember it was uh, eighteen when Lowndes and Steve Richards won in the Autobahn car, and and they were nowhere across the entire Thursday, nowhere Friday. You know, really poor qualifying. Even Saturday's final practice, they were sort of nowhere, and it's like this this team isn't even a factor. And but the whole week, the whole week they'd been working on being absolutely cherry ripe for Sunday, and I think they started twenty third or twenty second on the grid. I just didn't have them in any way, shape, or form being a contender, and they go and win the thing. It's just um, yeah, keep your eye on Triple Eight. They're such a smart bunch of blokes who are you know from they, Thursday uh, on. I think they might have given me my second biggest collect ever there, Tim. Oh, <laughs> yes. Um, you remember. I keep telling you. Not um, that we're endorsing betting and yeah. uh, be responsible. <laughs> this is certainly yeah, yeah, not a paid promotion. Yeah, that's right. For <laughs> Have a crack. That's what I say. Have a crack. Yeah, right, yes. Yeah, someone got cashed up with a few new partners during the year in his business. Yeah, no, it's been good. The um, But the thing, going back to, you know, Tim's description of that race win with Lowndes and Richards is, you know, you go down into their garage during that process and it's not like people are ripping things off the walls or they're pulling their hair out or they're all straight. It's like this process, we're working our way through it. We know what we're doing here. You know, it's like the third car, everyone's sort of rolling, you know, everyone's committing to what they need to do here and all of a sudden, bang, they're right there, right there. Like no one was stressing about it. It's just like, okay, we've got a job to do. We know where we're at. We're keeping to our game plan. You know, it's no different to a game of footy, you know, but we've got a game plan, we've got to stick to it, we stick to it, we'll be okay. I want to just go back for a second, Crush, to we were talking about pit stops and one of the things that's been amazing this year is the Brad Jones Racing pit stops. They're perennially the top of the tree in the pit stop game in supercars, but this year they've been doing two tyre stops almost at uh, Formula One levels. Yeah, they've always been very, very impressive, and certainly they're they're um, they're uh, um, always a player when it comes to the Perth Tech Pit Stop Challenge, which will be on the Friday night um, this year. They're always well and truly in the mix there, and have been winners like three out of four years, or it's always pretty close. But um, and they always seem to find a bit of an extra leg at Bathurst. I mean, you know, they have their good years and bad years, but they seem to find something extra there. And, you know, it's, it's the race that Brad certainly wants to win and and they're always in the mix. They've just got that, that gap that, you know, that they that they just can't seem to close. But, you know, they have the pace. They, they always seem to find that little bit of extra ingredient there which, which puts, them, uh, puts them in the mix. So I think, um, again, you know, they've shown that in regards to strategy and how they go about their racing. Um, but, again, those sprint race stops compared to the Bathurst stops are a totally, totally different scenario. But if they can bring something that someone else doesn't have to those stops, then, you know, that's going to be to their advantage. We've seen a couple of livery changes, Tim, for the Bathurst 1000. Two in particular, you you briefly mentioned about the 1000th race of Dick Johnson Racing, and they've gone with a pretty impressive livery. 
But I have to say, Premier has really hit their straps going with the Gardner Coke car. And I, I think the, the still photography looks amazing. Yeah, I adored that car growing up. And I loved Wayne Gardner. So, yeah, I, I think they've absolutely smashed that out of the park. And, and, and also the Dick Johnson team. I'm, I, I can't wait to see those cars in the flesh uh, around the mountain. I, I think they look awesome. So, yeah, kudos to a few of those. I know the, there's been a, a slight livery tweak to the to the, um, to the the Erebus cars, and they look better for it. So, yeah, I think it's um, uh, it, there's a couple of rippers there. I think uh, – and I think those teams need, need to be applauded for – being creative and doing those things they need to do. I mean, I think getting rid of retro round and not having those retro liveries is a has been a loss to the sport, especially on you know, Sandown and what it brought to the what to the game because someone's bitching them on and they've got to spend five grand on a on a on a livery tweak. Um, my attitude to that is if you can't afford it, then you shouldn't be there. Um, and you know this 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 whole program was copied off what they do. In NASCAR in the US, where you know the NASCAR blokes, when commercial blokes have been smart enough to work it out and actually brought in separate sponsors for the deal and old sponsors and sort of reinvented brands and done all those really smart things, where no one here seems to adapt that. It was like, okay, we'll just find an old livery, tweak what we got to fit it, and well, they've been great, and 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 it's and it's I think it's they need to do. There's a lot more commercial opportunities there that nobody's ever taken advantage of, and I think retro round is one of the things that certainly should be reintroduced um, to the category. Yeah, I imagine that that Dick Johnson merchandise will be um, will be a bestseller across the weekend on tipping. Oh, I think it, it looks fantastic. You know, is it the best livery that DJ had? But like everyone, you know, that the fan base. Recognise that livery and 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 you know will will warm to it. You know I think the Gardner car, like you got that car, that car going to win the race? No, no, no chance. But I tell you what, it'll get a bit of coverage, and you know punters are going to be around it. And you know, and three Coke are bringing a whole heap of money to the game. It's connected to Peter and what's happening there. But you know the fact that they've actually shown a bit of creativity might actually warm to someone within that organisation, and all of a sudden. You know, it's it's getting the publicity that, you know, will keep them around for a season or two. Yeah, it's fantastic. And it's fantastic. And, uh, guys, one thought, and, Tim, this one goes to you. Based on what we saw last weekend in the AFL, would you be rushing out there to say you're uh, signing up for another year? David Reynolds has signed up for another year with Grove Racing. Yeah. My mind goes back to last week where they announced Buddy was signed up for another year oh, yes. and Saturday didn't go as well as planned. No, it did not. It's interesting that the parallels with even, and I, I, I know I mentioned Max Verstappen before and with Shane, but it's what we've lived through this football season that Geelong has dominated when you look at the just the pure, raw results. They won 16 straight games to win that premiership. It was a fantastic home and away season, but Geelong completely demolished Sydney in the grand final. So it does have so much of that about the supercar season we're living through with Shane and Triple H's uh, complete dominance. But yeah, to your point, the Buddy news, I, I still think they'd be thrilled that he's going on for another year, but uh, he did not have a good grand final. And, and even you look at the TV numbers last week, which I, I know has got a lot of press in, in the past week. The AFL grand final figures were well down and disappointing probably, I mean, to be honest, probably half of what Channel 7 would have wanted. Uh, they would have been hoping that got over 4 million. It just got over 2 million. 
which is still massive and, you know, supercars would, would dream of getting figures like that. But will be interesting leading into to this Sunday what the television ratings will be like across Seven and Fox Sports. Uh, I think what Fox brings is really important with those numbers that they, they don't have for the AFL Grand Final, that it's just on Channel 7. So, yeah, I think that will be a, a really interesting... I don't want to forecast too far ahead, but certainly to next Monday when those TV numbers drop, what they look like for... Uh, I mean, even for the NRL Grand Final this coming weekend, but then for next week, what they look like after Bathurst, they'd be. I think the sport needs a a big lift, a big a big boost that Bathurst can provide because then they've got the big ticket items on the Gold Coast and Adelaide still to come. One thing we're out of COVID now. We went back to the traditional time spot. I was at a Grand Final party that we haven't had for two years with fifty other people. If one of those people had a set top box measuring their viewership, it didn't get counted but they were with 50 other people watching the game. And that's the difficulty of throwing the baby out of the bathwater with the 2.30 game. Halftime, we go down and kick the football. If uh, your colleague, Jared Waitley's idea comes in, it's pitch black at the Oval. We can't have halftime heroes and those sorts of things that really involve the younger kids and uh, even the young at heart. Yeah, I think the the winds of change are happening in the AFL. If I was... uh, if, if I can have some of Brett's money to put on it, I'd be putting my money on a twilight start next year. That I, I think it cruels it for the kids. Yeah, no, but I, the, the TV, and this is the same in Supercar, the TV drives the sport now. They are the biggest contributor. Um, and that's, they. you know, it's enormous over, over individual sponsorship or memberships or, or whatever, gate takings. Like the TV money drives our sports. And Channel 7 just simply will not cop the, the TV figures they copped last Saturday for the AFL Grand Final, which should have been enormous. Like, it was the perfect setup that it was a big Victorian team against uh, the Sydney Swans. So you had the New South Wales market. And simply at 2.30 in the afternoon is not a time when people are, are going to sit down and watch it. And it was a stinking game. It was over, like, within 10 minutes of it. So it was hard to capture that New South Wales market who... It might have been nice weather and they go off and go for a surf or whatever, or the Queensland market that the weather's nice up there. So um, it didn't Here's capture it. Here's an idea, Tim. Why don't, why don't we start the AFL Grand Final at 11.15 and run it through to 5 o'clock? <laughs> don't have any break and just see what happens come 5 o'clock when we're leading to the news. Yeah, so I, I have a feeling we'll it'll, be, it'll be at 4.30 next year. It'll start in, in the in the twilight and end under dark at halftime. You won't want to go for a kick because that's when the – the big halftime entertainment, I, I imagine, will come in and it will be under lights and there will be fireworks and it will be amazing. Um, the Robbie Williams was worth every cent that they spent last week. But again, the pre-match, just the TV audience wasn't big enough at that time slot. So, yeah, I think they spend the money, they get a big act next year and they put it at halftime when everyone will be watching. All right. It's now time to put your opinions and maybe in Crush's case, uh, dollars on the line. First off, Brett, uh, give us your opinion on a one, two, three, please. A Bathurst 2022. Uh, well, I think, you know, you can't go past the 97 car um, as outright favourite. Um, and then, you know, the Phoenix Wing Cup car is going to be going to be right there. But if, you, if you're looking for some value from a punting standpoint, you look at that car as an outright winner and then you go down and say, okay, where's my value going to be? And I would think there's probably two cars in the race that are going to give you, you know, good each-way odds. I think one of them is the Mostert Coulthard car. I think that is certainly well in the mix. 
And I think the other one, depending on, you know, how many laps he gets earlier in the week uh, and how he settles back into that car is, funnily enough, got to chat about him. But I think the Reynolds-Matt Campbell car um, will certainly hold a heap of value as well. So these, I don't necessarily think they're going to finish one, two, three. But if you chase into value from a punting standpoint, I think the 97 is the outright favourite. And then if you're looking at multiples uh, or having multis, then um, I would think that the 25 car, the uh, Optus Mobile One car, Chaz and Fabian, and then the uh, the car, the Ford of uh, Reynolds and Campbell could be right there as well. And Jim? It's interesting because by Sunday night, guys, Crusher will tell you he will have punted and backed every single car that won. So um, not sure he's always telling the truth there. Um, I'll go the 97. Hey, uh, Tim, you've never been short lining up for a beer when I've had a victory there. So. <laughs> uh, I've got 97 winning. I just think that goes out on the ultimate high for, for Holden. And then I've got a couple of Mustangs, the um, – the, the Davison brothers, uh, I'd love them to have a good run. I think Will's have having one of the, his better years. Um, his confidence is up, and I'd uh, love to see them do well uh, and be right there. Uh, and then the six of, of Waters and Moffat, I, I think. And can you imagine if you, you need great storylines, and if Moffat is standing on the top step of the podium on Sunday evening at Bathurst, that would be something for the sport. I'm going to go 88, 888, and 2. Triple eight and two. Triple eight. So triple eight is Lowndes, Lowndes, isn't it? Lowndes and Fraser. Wow. That's a decent story. I'm getting them on the podium along with Brock Feeney getting his best result because he has got the king in the car with him. And then Warren Luff always gets a podium. So why wouldn't you put him in your box? Yeah, I think, you know, as we said, I think there's a, there's a, a serious mix of, you know, after you get out away from the 97, there's a serious mix of, of, you know, contenders for those other spots. And then that doesn't mean they're not outright contenders, but certainly for the second, that if the 97 car has a, a faultless run, um, and if it doesn't, like, you know, depending on fuel and stuff, when we get down to those last half a dozen laps or so, um, you know, all those, I think all those cars that we've mentioned um, have a shot. Well, Tim, Brett, thank you so much for joining us Inside Supercast. We certainly uh, look forward to seeing you both on the mountain and uh, look forward to what I hope will be another great race and looks like being an absolute dynamite season and end with both Adelaide and the Gold Coast involved. It should be fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us on Inside Supercars. Thanks for having us, guys. Enjoy the enjoy the week. Yeah, thanks, boys. And uh, yeah, it's always great to go to the big house and um, see, see it all unfold. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thank you.